0: Welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three Dungeon Masters who've been doing this for way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. I don't want to be in a
1: backseat, no backseat driver. I don't want to navigate, won't you take it over? I don't want to ever doubt you. I'm lost without you. No, I don't want to be no backseat, no
0: backseat driver. You know you do. You yeah. secretly know you do. There it is. It's every DM, every DM has a little bit of backseat driver in them, I think. Yeah. I uh,
1: I feel a little like a poser. I feel a little, <laughs> little hypocritical because this is by an artist named Toby Mack that I am unfamiliar with. I'm sure he's massive. I'm sure everyone's going to be like, Dude, how old are you? But there you go. But he has a song called "Backseat Driver," so there you go.
0: That is a is a great fit, and that of course mm. is Dave, our rock and roll DM, singing singing you into this episode with a song about exactly what we're talking about this week, which is DM backseat drivers and i know some of you out there can relate to this i know i can relate to this i know the dms i play with on this podcast can relate to this because i can be guilty of this at times when you're absolutely
1: not (laughs) we're gonna have a very frank discussion on this episode
0: (laughs) i think we can i think (laughs) it's when you're running the game and you've got another dm at the table and that dm keeps second guessing or bringing up how the rules how they would adjudicate something how the rules actually work. And basically, kind of, if they're not doing it carefully, undermining your authority as a DM. And this comes from actually two emails and, and suggestions we got over the course of the last week. One of them came in through our through their, our Gmail account. And by the way, if you want us to answer your question on the air, please, we always take reader, uh, listener suggestions. You can reach us at 3 at gmail.com or go to our website, 3 and enter it in the what's your problem field. Or we can reach out for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active on all those social platforms. We're constantly looking for how we can help our listeners be better DMs. So if you have your own question you want to have answered, please send it to us there. So our first, the first outreach we had on this topic this week comes from a uh, entry on our website's What's Your Problem field. The subject is backseat DMing and metagame knowledge. Message starts, greeting wise ones. Yes. Yes. We, the we tithe like
1: has been paid.
0: Ah, there we go. <laughs> ah, feels good. Feels good. Keep we are more we like to get, answer questions. I say wise ones. <laughs> <laughs> that goes right to the top of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just <laughs> let just poke the ego. So the question is, I'm a rather new DM and took over from my group's original DM, who historically has been a forever DM. I am finding that as we play, either people return to our original DM for adjudication. So the DM is still in the group. Adjudication of rules and questions or that the original DM will try, quote, um, actually, end quote, my adjudications is the best way to handle this to ask the group to be more respectful of my role. I would hate to have to follow some of the online advice to just find a new group. Is this a salvageable situation? So that's one of the questions we had. And then we have a second question here from another from another listener. Again, came in just a couple days later. This second listener is Kyle, and Kyle... Basically, Kyle has also been part of a long-running group. The Everyone in the group is related by blood or by marriage. He has a homebrew campaign. They encourage him to start, but once he started it, my ultimate issue, says Kyle, comes from one of the, my players who is also a DM. Being new, I'm more than happy with constructive criticism, but the level of complaining that I get from this particular person is reaching pretty p- petty levels. Granted, I understand some of the frustration. The campaign started off a little bit slow, Uh, They were thrust into a narrative. Uh, So basically Kyle's trading off slow narrative for quick leveling up and substantial loot to begin the game. So they kind of rushed into level five. But this other DM keeps complaining about the pacing or any other small thing he disagrees with in my approach to DMing. And that happens when Kyle asks this DM for feedback. So, you know, this is a situation, both these situations have an existing DM in the group and that DM kind of stepping on the toes of the current DM in different ways. So, guys, what do you think about this? You know, what do you do when this happens? And how can these listeners try to try to salvage these situations without chucking the group or asking someone to leave or leaving themselves, which I don't think is necessary here? Because I think I think we I think there are ways to handle this. What do you think?
2: Well, I mean, there's times when having another season DM at the table is actually an asset. I remember when we started playing fourth edition and, well, there was one book. And, you know, someone's trying to do something, and it's like, well, how does this work? And it was like a left field kind of situation. So you, you have two options. Turn to the other DM or start rooting through that book. Now, of course, all this great stuff wasn't really super online at the time, not to really <laughs> sound like we're fossils. But the important part is it's handy. You're not searching for answers. You're not going through CH Advice. You can defer to someone. And I appreciate if this person who is a DM is trying to do something specific to their character or in their actions that really does work a certain sort of – in a a certain way, and this other DM is like, nah, no, it does not. I do appreciate that. However, you – Don't want this person in the same breath to become a food critic where they come into your game and they've got their notepad (laughs) and they're like, well, the service was a little lackluster. That last encounter was a little bland. Don't you think? Three trolls. Pretty unimaginative. And that treasure, a plus two sword, no effects. Oh, I'm falling asleep. You know, I have to give this 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 uh, session a 71. I'm sorry. And I'm going to post that on Yelp.
0: (laughs) Man, Tony, you were just you, you really have these characters down in your head. We have the food critic backseat DM. We have the divorce divorce lawyer <laughs> royal attorney. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Thanks. Oh no, I have like a ninth degree black belt in getting, you know, players complaining. <laughs> believe me. So anything I put the two of you guys through is
0: like probably a one forty eighth of what I've experienced in my life. I, I've been in many of those games and, and I, I I will suck at that. I'll <laughs> we'll definitely suck at that. you've dealt with you've dealt with you've dealt with some groups that were not so easy to handle. I'll definitely I say feel that. like I feel
1: like Tony like we, I wanna get Tony to run like a short game that's like super meta in the sense that all of these characters show up as NPCs that like we have somehow have to deal with, right? Like <laughs> the that's divorce extremely Attorney and the food critic all show up in a way like in a real meta level. Anyway, so um for me though, I think what a lot of this comes down to, because we, as I was saying in the in the you know run up to the cast now, as we kind of jabber on about some stuff. I was saying a lot of these uh, emails that we're getting are things that we're dealing with in a lot of ways, too, but not in a way that's necessarily as grating. I'm going to say maybe as it is for Kyle and uh, the 3WD person. Oh, by the way, too, guys, if you're putting it in on the What's Your Problem field, put your name in there, like, in the in the little text of it, uh, just so we know, so we can give you a shout-out. Anyway.
0: Unless uh, you want anonymity, you know. Unless you uh, like it's anonymity. It's okay to be anonymous. That's fine, <laughs> yes. too. But we'll you're we can all, you that. Pick up your name.
1: Give us a character <laughs> name that you have, you know.
0: You know if if um, your players are listening, you know, we understand that, too. <laughs> but to get to the, to the point, I think a lot
1: of this can be boiled down to a simple distinction of rules – versus adjudication, Uh, and I think those things are very different because rules are kind of the, hey, anyone know what that rule is for XYZ? We do this all the time. All three of us do this. Chris is now doing it because he's running us in it um, in a 5E game, and a lot of us, we're still talking about on the cast here after almost two years now that we're still running into points where, oh, it works like that. Or we're seeing something on Sage Advice. that said. So rules are a constant kind of evolving thing. But adjudication in the game, there's a level of respect that needs to be uh, offered and a leeway that needs to be offered to the, the person running the game. As Professor Dungeon Master has said before, he would like to see the master get put back into Dungeon Master to a point. Because <laughs> in some ways it's been pulled back from that, you know, in some positive ways, but also in some negative ways, too.
0: Yeah. And I will say, like, we use this a lot, actually. We use it. Tony mentioned we used this in fourth edition. We use, it in, we use it when we were starting fifth edition as well, quite a bit where there'd be situations, especially even in Woodstock Wanderers, where I knew Dave had the books and I was just getting started learning the rules. And I'm like, I don't know how that works offhand. Dave, while I keep while I go around the rest of the table, can you please look that up? And Dave will look it up and come back with how it works. And that's OK. Like that's 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 very that's kind of that's helpful. You know, and just like the rules lawyer can be helpful versus being, you know, the divorce lawyer kind of rules lawyer, the backseat DM can be helpful in some ways, but it's a matter of respect. You know, and there's a couple, you know, and there's a couple ways this comes out. I remember when we first started doing Curse of Strahd, because that was the first time I was really playing in someone else's game in fifth edition, so I felt like I was the only DM who had run it. And Dave actually had to set me straight once or twice because I was starting to get get a little too aggressive with it. Well, that's not really how that works. <laughs> you, think, you, think, you know, trying to be helpful. Uh, also, sometimes, as Tony said, trying to make sure that my character worked the way I had intended him to work. Um, and and it was, Orin, it,
1: I I will say real quick, just to I'm gonna butt in because that's how it's going to go tonight. But there you go. Uh, <laughs> no, but real quick, because I am I'm glad that you actually said that and you you were aware of that because that was a great example of how this should kind of run is that that exactly is kind of what was happening. And I said, you know, what I said during the game, I said, you know, well this is how I'm going to run this thing.
0: And, I, believe you said, or, I, believe you, I believe you said, can I be the DM? Oh,
1: I might've said that too. <laughs> I, think that was- um, I didn't remember exactly how I did it. I know it was a, I, I definitely got a little bit of my, my probably dad voice or therapist voice. I was it. It was and, dessert. um, but What you then did was you absolutely and then you, you know, like there was a there was a shift in that, not to the point where you didn't still bring up. Well, you know, this is actually how that might work in this situation. But it just I think it shifted it a little bit, you know, and I think that was a really good way to show how that can happen in a positive and healthy
0: manner that that assists the game. Well, I really I really did try to shift it because I also know what that's like. You know what I mean? I'm, I am sort of used to being someone who knows the rules and system better than most other people at yeah. the table. I tend to pick it up quick, so I tend to usually I kind of play that role in some situations. But I was totally out of line there, you know. And I really I tried to shift to okay, so I'm still going to have situations where the DM, where maybe this is how this normally works or this is how the book works in number one, the number one thing I started doing was saying, look, it's your world. So normally this would work this way, but it's up to the DM. It's up to, it's up to Chris or it's up to Dave or it's up to Tony, how they want to run it. Mm. And it was a combination of this would normally work this way. Or if we've done it this way in other games, but that's maybe not officially how we do it. I might mention that, like if you're looking for kind of a way to do something, but I really tried to, I just tried to re- reframe what I was saying because it's, I think it's helpful because no one like there's a lot of roles. No one knows all the rules. Oh, my God. And one of the things I've seen in, in some of the games we've had, like, we have certain players, especially out of the group that plays with Tony, um, even players coming into these games, who would rather you make the wrong call at the table than you go get it right by the rules. And I understand where they're coming from. That's a philosophy that the DM makes the call, we move on, you keep it moving, that's the most important. But what we saw happen in some of those games was you had bad calls that became ingrained in the rule set that became house rules that became real problems later. So, I'm like, I'm really sensitive yeah, about this? The NFL? Tony. <laughs> <laughs> right you know you're still dealing with your overtime problems you're still dealing yeah, with what your, is you a know, fair catch well, someone you're, please you're still you're still you're still dealing with like you know things like you know multiple attacks and critical misses people that are like oh and things like that cause problems in other games so like i'm conscious of
1: and then became a problem going forward exactly so future games as you guys have talked right. about a lot that it just became this plague that infected everything
0: but in some ways, it became the house system, you know, which was fine. It was fun. People liked it. But we had times when it got out of control, where like the, a, a bad call got really kind of yes, I had a bad call, but a call that made sense at the time when it was made, but wasn't by the rules. And it became something where the players get used to playing it that way, that led to problems later on when you unlock new powers or you have new yeah. builds or people start trying to abuse it and something. So like I'm really conscious of trying to kind of at least understand what my 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 approach is. You need to understand the rule before you house rule. That's my personal rule. Like, I won't house rule something until I've played with the way the rule is supposed to be, and then later on, if I don't like how that works in a house rule. Like, to be honest with you, I am probably going to wind up house ruling – probably going to wind up house ruling item – the the, the, uh, item attunement limit. Because of the way I'm handling treasure. Like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, I haven't asked everyone how that's working for them. They cut down to three because we haven't really played with it in Woodstock Wanderers. But I'm giving treasure out as rewards. And it's not a reward if you now have to replace something else you're using. So that's a situation where I might house roll away from that. But at least we know what the rule is and I know the call I'm making. So that's what I'm trying to do, you know. And there are some times where it's like, well, that character should be able to do that. Because, like, the thief's a great example. The thief should be able to hide almost all the time because they do intend the thief to get backstabbed pretty much every turn that's what the thief does instead setting any multiple attacks so if the dm at, at, at knee jerk goes well they really can't hide that well or that's too much or too uh, too much hiding they are kind of changing the way the character plays and i think that's worth kind of mentioning sometimes too you know it's just you know just be careful because that character is supposed to do that and that's if you can pass good. all this away then that character is not going to work the way it's supposed to and it could kind of come out being underpowered
1: i actually that's- had that down as a note here that was a great point is that if these things are stopping a person from doing what the character is built to do that they read through and decided to take these abilities to do these things well that's a little bit different that's where well hey it says this and unless there's a good reason you know we need to talk about that for the same reason going back to uh, our previous discussions on uh, your save or suck issues, right? With like yeah. things like banishment. So we now know how the rules work in it. If you going forward wanted to say, hey, you know, for what we're doing here, I would like it to run X, Y, Z. That's fine to bring up and to make that rule. But just it's a it's an acknowledgement of I understand what this is, but we're going to shift it because because yeah. of this for the same reason i was saying with the attunement thing because i was saying to tony in a text i said it's hard to say it's not balanced when we're not utilizing the rules some of the ones they put right. in to create balance like if i never say oh you can only have three attuned items and they're rolling out with like the globe of vulnerability <laughs> and a vorpal sword and a fucking axe of uh, dragon slang and a well, I mean, what are you supposed to do at that point, right? That's, you know, breaking everything,
0: so.
2: Yeah. So if you're going off of the actual rules, this is something that you should probably address before the campaign starts. That's mm-hmm. the best way to get out in front of this so you're not rolling any of this back and be like, yeah, Rogue's not hiding every round. And they're like, what? You know, that's going to be a, a cluster. But if in the other end of this, where this DM Seems to be unhappy in every, at least multiple situations, and how the game is playing. What am I gonna say? Feedback. Like, well, what would you do? You know, like, well, this can't. You know, the counters are going on too long. We spent too long in town. Da 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 da. Okay, and I would ask myself, are these? He says like these are not really fair criticisms. These seem petty. Perhaps you could be in the middle here, honestly. Perhaps, like, you know, like, if, if a battle goes on, like, everybody's having a great time, and they had a three-hour battle, well, I probably would have gotten five cups of coffee during that. Like, honestly, I'd be like, oh, my God, somebody kill that dragon. Like, please. Everybody has a different kind of thing about the game that they specifically like, whether they want to problem solve, whether they want to battle, whether they want to role play, whether they want to push the story. And maybe that, that that the DM honestly is looking for a different angle that they're getting less of. And perhaps, you know, like a, you guys could work it out in that respect. But if it's really everything, then that guy needs to have a tall glass to shut the hell up.
0: Yeah. And the email that came in about that, the the, the one from Kyle uh, goes on. And I didn't really get into it because it's a bit of a long email, but he goes on to basically say what comes out later on is there's three games going in the group. They have other people who want to DM, and this DM admitted to them. Well, we can't us to start DMing until one of these campaigns wraps up. And this DM runs one of the other games. So there's maybe a little bit of a conflict of interest there too. Or maybe a call that DM feels like you know Kyle's game is the one that he wants to get rid of. And that's why he's so unhappy with it. Mm. I would say at that point, I you know you're doing what you're doing, and I would keep doing what I was doing. I probably I probably wouldn't necessarily give up on it that way. But there's definitely things this guy talks about that he could work on in terms of, like, you know, he mentions that his account, his, his, um, he mentions that, that his campaign was off to a slow start. Players aren't responding to it. You know, even though this DM might have it in for the campaign, this other DM, I think some of that stuff's legit criticism, right? If the campaign is off to a slow start and players are bored, well, yeah. And he also mentions, so though, COVID, like, has interrupted the campaign. So, you know they've only been able to do five sessions in a year when they would play, would have done that in like a couple months otherwise. So those things all make a difference too. But the feedback is it's not moving fast enough. Try to make it move faster. Actually it's going on in Woodstock Wonders right now. We recently had a conversation about we gotten into uh, a lot of long encounters recently and players really want things to pick up. So I was going to pick it up anyway, but that's the kind of feedback you get sometimes. And you know you got to resp- you got to be responsive to that. You have what you want to do in the game, but that doesn't mean you have to do it where it's one encounter per session. You know, you don't need to make it that slow. You gotta find the happy middle there.
1: With that said too, I think a, a great I think you said it in the beginning, Thorne. A lot of this boils down to respect and um and the wanting to control situations. You know, and when you run games a lot, that's kind of that comes with it. You're some of the skill set is being able to control a situation because you're having to run that whole table. Leadership but,
0: skills, to some extent. Leaders, yeah, absolutely. Leader-team managerial skills, skills, or, skills right? Yeah. Like we talked yeah.
1: about some of the soft skills of that. But if you're an active DM and you have somebody who's new to running a a long form game, even one shot, whatever it is, they're new to running. You know, they've run a couple things, they have a couple things under their belt, and now they're finally you have talked them into running something. And then the the minute they do it, you tell them everything they're doing wrong. Why exactly am I going to continue doing this, right? Because now I'm just failing at this. And a great example, I think, is the session zero we had for Tomb of Annihilation that Chris is running. Now, Chris has run some games before. He's been running a lot in the Marvel system. He ran some stuff in Pathfinder. But this is going to be the first real big, long thing he's done, long-form campaign campaign because it, it's a book too. So it's, it's tomb. And yeah. he started out that session saying, now I know I have the three wise DMS at the table. And he wasn't saying it in like the way I say it, where it's like these <laughs> quotes, cause like tongue firmly in fucking cheek, right? Like we talk about, but it was a level of him acknowledging that, like, I think for the way I was hearing it, acknowledging, all right, this is a little nerve wracking for me. Cause I got three guys that I respect very much in terms of how they run games um, so please be gentle. And for me, that's exactly how I'm coming to every game is I want to give you some leeway, let you do some things. If I can assist with that or I have some feedback, awesome, but at least give them a chance out of the gate to, to play a little bit, to yeah. figure to get their legs under them before you tell them they suck at walking, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, Luke has absolutely as much experience as I do. So, you know, well, he's not one of the three wise DMs, you know, he he could be a substitute.
0: Oh so, yeah. Let's so we'll talk about having him on the show well, before even. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Luke DM quite well, He hasn't DMed in a while. He's not DMing currently, but we, it did. Uh, He's definitely got the experience. So it's like, it's basically it. And that is, you know, when you're DMing your former DM, and that's a DM who taught you the game and you respect them and you feel like they know everything you know, it's senpai at the table, right? It's like you know, you gotta. It's 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 a, it's a it can be nerve wracking for that player, and you do have to give them. It's not just it's it's leeway is a good word for it, but I feel like it's even more than that. It's their game, right? You got to back yeah. off and let them run their game. Like yeah. you you can help them. You can help support them on the rules side of things. You can help maybe support them by as a player, as I think we all do, you all I think you guys definitely do. Absolutely. The, the DM, like the, you guys as players try to support the narrative and support what the DM's trying to do and, and actively buy into it. So you got to be when you're a DM playing in one of your players' games, I think you kind of you're kind of obligated to be that, right? I mean you're the DM
1: you have to be the player that you want at your table. We always talk about we run yeah. the game. <clears throat> Excuse me, we run the game that we want to play in. When we're playing, we should be the player that we want in our game. Awesome. And that means someone who is who is a, a good, you know, uh, assists with the table, gets role play going, is inclusive to the group, is inquisitive, is into invested in their character, is invested in the story, is taking notes, is all of the things that we all do. That was one of the things, actually, I noticed first. When I first ran a game, Thorne, for you, which was Slavers Bay— which all got nerve-wracking because I got half the tables, people I've never met in my life. And now they sit down at the table with both characters. <laughs> and I'm true, like, cool. Yeah. So welcome to the city of you your slaves, right? And um That's a cool it, 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 it actually went off very well. But one of the things that blew my mind was how much of the story and Thorin is not a big note taker generally. Like like I write I'm writing down notes all the time as a player. That's just how I remember. But Thorne is just kind of keeping this rolling thing in his head. And he would uh, illuminate certain parts of the story as they were starting to get the mystery. And I, in my head, I go, oh, shit, he really has this thing together. He's paying attention. That really feels good while I'm running the game. Because whether or not he's enjoying himself, he's at least giving it a fucking try. Doing I, was, I
0: was enjoying myself. Too. You were enjoying No, good, I knew you were. Yeah.
1: I knew you were. But, you know, the point was is that even if you weren't, you were at least fucking like giving it the college try, you know. You were at least trying to be a good player, right?
0: Well, yeah, and I think you need to, you know, you need to engage in every game that way. I, I definitely think. Here's the other thing too, you know, if you're a play, if you're a DM who has a player DMing your game, and I think this came up in both Slavers Bay and and, and Ravenloft and playing with Tony and Storm King's Thunder, letting them DM their way, even though you think you know it better, you shouldn't actually, you shouldn't think you know it better. But even though you you know you're more experienced and have a better handle on the rules. Letting them DM your way will teach you new things about DMing. Like, we talk about this all the time. that playing new systems, teaches you new stuff about DMing. So does playing in other DMs games. Even
1: oh, you know if that God. DM yeah.
0: is an inexperienced because, you know, there's that Zen saying. I believe it's Zen. Dave will correct me if I'm wrong. Woo! Do Zen it. Zen. it. You know, in the beginner's mind, there's many paths. In the master's mind, there's, there's, there's few. Yeah. You know, in the beginner's mind, there's a lot of things you can do. As a master, you've shut down most of those paths that don't work for you. So you only have a couple ways you're going to execute this thing. But then the beginner comes in and it shows you how another path you'd shut down works great. That you just it just didn't work for you when you tried it. You know, you can that experience happens when you have someone who's new to DMing and you're open to it and you play with them, you learn new things about DMing. And you guys, we all DM very different games. And I think we all learn from each other in those games. Do you want do you want the
1: Bruce Lee version of that saying?
0: Sure, yeah, what is the official thing about Bru-
1: No, well, that the Bruce- official one, but Bruce's version of it, because he was a kung fu guy, right? Yeah. Was when I began the art, a punch was so much more than a punch. No, a punch was a punch and a kick was a kick. When I learned the art, a punch was so much more than a punch and a kick so much more than a kick. When I mastered the art, a punch was just a punch and a kick was just a kick.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's it's absolutely true. If you never... It's the teacup thing. If you never empty your teacup, no one else can fill it. And I have seen from both of you as we've been playing, I have taken, as I've said, multiple things from both of you, neither of which look anything like it when I'm running, but I'm actively involved in evolving my craft because of what I've seen both of you guys do.
2: When I'm a player in one of the games, running off of what you're saying, trying to be the player that you want to be, my turns are crisp. I'm like, bang, here's true. what I'm doing. Dude, I mean, <laughs> here, boom. What are
1: you doing? I, uh, uh, I'm going to tap my fingers. Come on there, nerd. Let's go. <laughs> Tony, I felt that actually, I felt so bad because that's exactly how you were being in the last trod game when you guys were in the Wild and you came across the Cyclops and uh, Displacer Beast hunting pack that was hunting the unicorn. And every time your turn came up, you're like, boom, boom. That's what I'm doing. Hit, hit. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit, it's going to be like five minutes at least before he gets to go again. And all he's going to be able to do is boom, boom. And I was like, shit, oh, I feel so bad.
2: But I mean, that so- was a, that was an interesting encounter. It's just that, you know, the mechanics, you have a lot of heavy hit point things running around. You have an NPC that we were trying to save. There was different creature types. We have our whole party. The party has summons or henchmen. It, there's a lot of dynamics. Yeah, that was absolutely. a very good game.
0: Yeah, look, oh, I mean, actually, and even with even with Phineas, I try to play as quickly as I can. Then, unfortunately, that when you're a spellcaster and you're doing something that kind of has has to take space into account, that slows you down.
1: Well, that, and then I have to make like, okay, Dave, make as Tony has said in the Storm King's now make eight saves <laughs> <laughs> because like there like that would be something. This is a a little off topic, but it goes to some point. Um, that would be a nice mechanic if somebody could come up with like like a group save kind of thing. Like you take like an average roll of like the amount of creatures and something like something that could be quick, the way passive perception is, you know, that would be nice.
0: No one's stopping you from rolling one die for all your creatures.
1: That's true. Except, I don't know. But Then, then, they, they, all, then they all say, they or, talk all talk all say or all fail. That's gonna like, either piss me off or piss you guys off one of the two.
2: <laughs> and it's a tough, there's a fine line in there too because we could be like cranking around like bam, 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 and there's no description. Yeah. And that's when, you know, it kind of goes uh, in a different direction and it's much more numbers and crunching versus the immersion of the experience.
0: That's true. That's true. Maybe something that uh, I think a lot of the games have kind of fallen into a little bit during the uh, during the combats, especially Um, even when you're running like a long combat, you know, it's it can definitely come up. Yeah, it's easy to slip into that. Okay, just what are we doing here? I'm trying to manage everything. And then you're not giving the descriptions that kind of make the game immersive.
1: Yeah. Oh, Um, hit, damage. Okay, your turn. Go. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And when I'm running creatures,
2: then I have people like, oh, save against your charisma. I'm like, what the hell is this thing's charisma? And I'm looking,
1: and then I'm like, all right, (laughs) I got four of
2: those. Let me flip back. It's armor class. Now they're attacking dex. Now they're attacking wisdom, like.
1: Wait, you don't know all your saves of, like, seven different creatures? Whatever. I mean, I know all my saves of one guy. I am impressed. I mean, come on, man.
2: <laughs> I, I am impressed. But but with that, that DM, honestly, yeah, should kind of be out in front then if that person is the more experienced one and be kind of like a guide as the player to that party instead of more like uh, being a sourpuss because yeah. that is be not – yeah. Because yeah, then even. I got to tell you, if that guy did that to me, I'd be super productive in their campaign when they came back around. <laughs> oh, you want to run a game? Sure. All right, dipshit. What's in this crappy town? What do you got here? <laughs> bunch of stupid items and a bunch of quests I don't care about. All right, let's hear it. Oh, someone's son's missing. Oh, how
0: cliche. Uh. That's fine. While the, while the party gets the description of the son, I sneak upstairs and rob their house. <laughs> well, that's what that's what Phineas would do normally, though. No, Phineas has never robbed anyone. He talks them out of their things. He's a con artiste, not a thief.
1: <laughs> Specifically artiste, he's very French with it.
0: Uh, it but it's a it, good it,
1: point. So that's a really good point. It's again that be the player as the DM coming into that table, be the player that you want. And. Uh, All three of us have shown that, too, because we are we are all being a very specific player like we would like to have at our table. So none of us role play in the same exact way. But what all of us are doing are helping the table to move the story forward, helping the table to get involved in some role play or some character development, helping the, the whatever it might be. You know, so Hawk is the first person with Tony, for instance, to be, hey, we need to go do this, brother. Right. We need to go and we need to go and do the, the do the quest. Right. Phineas is the first one to now he's also the face of the party. So it fits yeah. in very much like Roderick. But you're the person who comes up and says, oh, by the way, townsperson, we are going to discuss these things. Oh, hey, by the way, are there any you know, you go up and talk
0: to the innkeepers. And and it's, you, I, kind of, I kind of instigate on the social side.
1: Exactly. And that brings that at least assist, bringing more people at the table into that because they see, oh, okay, we can we can talk, we can decide things, we're part of this, whatever
0: it would be. Also try to dispatch your monsters as quickly and spectacularly as possible. So you Absolutely. can moving with things and be entertaining. Absolutely. Of
1: it's also one of the things I've learned as we've all been gaming and seeing how each of our games runs is that encounter where it was a big encounter, but I was trying to keep it I went about 20 minutes past where I wanted to go. I was kind of keeping an eye on time. But what I finally was starting to do was make decisions to, you know what? We're ending this combat. And not in a way where, oh, my God, you immediately just happened to kill that guy. But making choices that, okay, we need to get to the end point because they have won. I don't want to watch the football game where now they just have to, oh, they're going to run the ball for the next five minutes and, you know, and make them burn their timeouts. And we all know where this is going. You know, you want to move it forward. So, and I run that because I've seen what happens in the other games, and I've I've tried to take that in ways that I wouldn't run it initially.
0: I'll say there's no shame in having your bad guys, the last few bad guys, just run away. That's I don't want to attack them, they're, 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 they're the, going uh, to force, you can't hit them. <laughs> the
1: morale, uh, morale should, as I've been reading the OSR stuff, the morale yeah. role should be a part of the new stat blocks, I think. I Actually, think we
0: should. <laughs> it originally was. I it was, Great, yeah. morale should be in 5th edition, I mean, it's just as a way of helping to wrap up your camp, your, your fight a little more quickly. Now, as a DM, though, no one's stopping, you. it's not in there, but no one is stopping you from saying these, these NPCs. Yeah, are, and we've all are, done, are done really
1: that, right, up. but... But it was an in, it's an interesting mechanic in the sense of like leave it to chance in a way, you know.
0: But. Yeah, yeah. Now it's leave it to the players, which as we've seen, can sometimes be misinterpreted too. So it's a little yes, got to be a little careful with it. Yes. Oh, the DM just let us win. No, you've beaten them all to the, within an inch of their lives, and they're running away. Rather than You're not right.
1: seeing my 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 hit point tracker here. It's <laughs> real low. It's real low.
2: Yeah, I mean, if eight ogres roll up and there's three left, they'll probably be looking for the door.
0: There's no reason an ogre wants to stay and fight you till it, till it.
1: No, dies. when you bite back, they go, okay, cool, dude, no problem. I'm gonna go down the street and hit that bro down yeah. there. Yeah,
2: no, that's so, what morale was a great actual tool because like it showed like if a creature had a 19 morale in the earlier editions, that thing was literally fanatical. That yeah. thing would fight you to death. It absolutely did not care. Like a golem would fight you to the death because it's you know it's a machine. It's a construct. But, that's what it's built yeah. to do. But yeah. Other things, not so much. They want to live.
0: So. You know, we talked a lot about kind of how we like to see it played, how we try to handle it when we're backseat DMing ourselves, <laughs> you know, it's trying to trying to backseat DM in a positive way. But if you're this DM, if you're one of these DMs who are having a problem with backseat DMing, how would you approach it? Like, how would you try to handle this? Well,
2: you know, I, I would throw out there. So there's different angles on this. If we're saying this is about rules, then. Again, if I was going off of the house rules, that's something I would have tried to put out in the beginning. So I'm be like, hey, you know what we said? We weren't doing that thing, and here we are. You're doing that thing, and then that's kind of the end of the conversation. However, if they're saying no, the the world's like this, the world's like that. Well, you're in someone else's world. They really have control of these other variables in terms of what loot's available, where the NPCs are how leveling works how problems are solved they gotta run with it and maybe that person does want to take over on that game believe me we're all kind of wrestling with that we have seven campaigns i mean (laughs) we're really all fighting for screen time
1: in a way yeah to tell you the truth so you know he said you know is this i think he makes the point in there is this just not salvageable because, you know, he just hears a lot of the Facebook replies where it's like, well, I'll just find a new game. And you're like, thanks a lot for no advice whatsoever. Right. Um, yeah. But I think, up, uh, because again, I said in the in the roll-up to the podcast, we deal with these same issues. Like I said, I don't think as uh, badly. Like, we've had some instances. Okay, that's going to happen in every game, as we've found now. But Thorn, I think... The thing you said earlier was a great example, but also in Woodstock, this has happened multiple times where we've literally me and you talked on the phone one night for like a good hour. I think you called me uh, following the first big dust up after brother Maiden and stuff. And we talked about like, you know, how are you seeing what's happening? And you were, you were open to what feedback was coming. You know, I know recently you called and talked with another player And you actively reached out and said, hey, behind the screen, behind the scenes here, what like what's going on? Is there a way that like we can come to like an understanding here? Uh, And I think that's at this point with this DM, that would be probably what I would say. You obviously know this person. They're a friend of yours. So talk to them, not during the game, not anything like that. But on the side, you know, go out for a beer, go get some coffee, whatever, and be like, hey, man, I really respect what you do, or hey, lady, I don't know. <laughs> what is on, uh, I really respect how you run games, and I'm really excited to be running you in one, but I'm kind of feeling X, Y, Z. What's going on? Like, am I just reading this wrong, or are you seeing this? Yada, yada, yada. And kind of open it up. Have that tough conversation, because it's really the only thing. Until that communication is there, no one can read your mind, man, I think we've all seen that from all the relationships we've ever been in. You can't expect someone else to read your mind. You gotta say it, right? You gotta say your piece.
0: That's a, that's that's yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And that, cool. that's that's a fair point. There is a difference here huh. with at least because we're talking about two different questions here. And the one question they have the DM who's kind of basically said, you know, he he knows they need to get one of the campaigns to close up to start another campaign. That sounds like someone who. Maybe that person is looking for your for that campaign to wrap, up. wrap it up. The other one is asking. So he's got it's it's straight up, you know, someone's, you know, he's, you know, yes, umming his adjudications. So he asks, you know, is the best way to handle this to ask the group to be more respectful of my role? I would hate to have to follow some of the online advice of just find a new group. Is this a salvageable situation? And I think that's interesting. He says, is the best way to handle this to ask the group to be more respectful of my role? Cause there's two things going on here. The one clearly there's some things where maybe he doesn't know all the rules exactly, or at least there's some things where where they would like to see things on a different way. That may just be a matter of rules knowledge, in which case it's kind of easy. Just like me and Dave had the conversation, you know, like just yeah. Dave just you know, pointed out, "Hey, quit being a dick." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and I and I and I modulated. I'm like, "All right, so I'm trying to be helpful. You know, I'm not trying to step on his toes, and I certainly I want to run play this character. I certainly don't want to DM another game. I was already DMing one. I was here specifically to be a PC. <laughs> so I need you know? to play
1: someone, for God's sakes."
0: So, so, so yeah exactly. So that was you know that was kind of a straight up okay so you know, I'm just going to kind of back off a bit and that's yeah, his game and I'll just kind of you know try to help where I can. And that was easy because I did respect Dave. And it wasn't a matter Dave never had to that might sound like he's asked me to be more respectful of, my, of his role but what he's really asking me is just hey you're a little out of line you know. I oh. did I I did respect Dave as the DM. If you need to ask the girl to be more respectful of your role you know <sighs>
1: That sounds say a lot more, doesn't it?
0: yeah, and, and yeah. It, well and it, and it maybe it could be on both sides, right? because on the one hand, you want a certain amount of respect because you're running the game. on the other hand, no leader says on the no leader has to say'm the leader. <laughs> right no king Cap, has to say i never
1: says uh i'm the head of the avengers but everyone right. knows it right
0: i mean like like tywin said to uh like, like like tywin said in game of thrones you know no king has to say he's king
1: if you say you're <laughs> king you're no king yeah yes <laughs> oh god so i mean how do you
2: guys
0: handle that like
2: well i, mean, I said yeah, I'd suddenly let him know, like, you know, hey, you know, you keep this up. It's going to be a long time before you see a level and or a magic item.
0: <laughs> Just you saying. threaten him. Straight out threats. That's interesting. Does that work? Uh, this is tongue in cheek. But, you know, as <laughs> they is say. This the Vito there's... <laughs> Corleone method of DMing. <laughs> Here you go. Here's another plus one dagger. <laughs> yeah here you go that
2: dragon had a horde of plus one daggers it was really mysterious like forget the the, the, the sword
0: the throne of swords yeah
1: this was he just was a great door.
0: collector of copper of copper coins and plus one daggers this, Enjoy really, your yeah. this yeah, is, is just
1: right. how to make johnny fontaine an npc i don't get him his movie part well
2: i mean honestly you're trying to make a, a point with humor and a lot of truth is said in humor but probably not the best way to approach that if it is specifically one person then yet yeah, you have the conversation with them if it is the group how do you get to be more more respectful of your rules well you get to make the call so that like obviously like i try to do this and they're like no no i should do it like this well it doesn't work so, i mean that's kind <laughs> of how the engine of dungeons and dragons goes and if they really put their foot down and say why it should, maybe that's a conversation. But that should really be like one specific case. That can't be like you go to the bakery and like, are there chocolate chip banana muffins there? I'm sorry. I rolled a five. No, there's not. Yes, there are. OK. no. are are you using the reality stone or the infinity gauntlet? How are you, How are you producing <laughs> these things?
1: Uh, that's a good Uh, So, yeah, I see. I think I see where some of this is going too. I would take a little bit of a different tact as well, because like we get the email and we're seeing it from the way a person sees it. But it also and I think, Thorne, you were trying to maybe get at this point, too, is that and this is not to the listener at all. So please do not take it this way. This is just to make a point. But like every group of friends has an asshole. If your group of friends doesn't have an asshole. It's probably you, right? So what I'm getting <laughs> at, it, you. please, stay with me. I Please, God, stay <laughs> with me. Keep listening. I swear it's going somewhere positive. But no, in the, in the sense of now I have played in games, having known the system with people that were brand new. And maybe didn't know the rules. And, and that's fine. But also kind of had the sense of we always talk about it's your world, it's your rules. If you say it, it goes right. The, the master mm-hmm. in Dungeon Master and in modern gaming, at least that doesn't necessarily always go over well, because what that turns yes. into is, oh, this is my game. And whatever I say, regardless of what it says on your sheet or in those books or anywhere else. So you are playing completely blind and I'm driving. So I hope you like where we're going. That also could be some of what is happening. Right. If the whole group is that maybe it your role might be. Is it possibly is it overbearing slightly? Is it the lack of rules, knowledge or basic rules, knowledge? beginning to take away player agency beginning to uh railroad uh players uh choices Mm -hmm. is it beginning to make them play in your story which as we talked about before that's just called writing a book right uh if it's those types of things that's also has to be taken into consideration in the um in the conversation. So I, do I do hope that catch. ended positively mm. as to how I started it. So, <laughs> as we so try to figure case. out who the asshole on the team is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it started out like, "What the fuck, dude? These are our listeners." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dave over there drinking the Jack and Coke today, apparently. No. <laughs> Pierce be water, could be vodka, we're not sure. And let me tell you <laughs> something else, too. <laughs> but, you know, you, you make a good point. And you do have to, as a DM, you, as much as you want them to stop yes-umming you, or to, to stop kind of saying um um, actualing you and second-guessing you, and you definitely don't want them looking to this other DM because it's your game, there's problems to constantly house-rolling things, too. If everything is just how you say it works, the player's... Like they've said, modern players tend not to be as patient with that, and they also tend to take the attitude of, well, it doesn't really matter what I do, it's does the DM want this to work or not. So you need a solid – now, I'm not one who says that the DM has to know every rule, but you either need a solid knowledge – you need a solid knowledge of the rules, and you need to know when you don't know the rule, and maybe ask someone to go look it up then. Or just ask how it works. Make sure you're all on the same page for how things work. If you have things that don't work by the rule books, like Tony said, you should probably discuss those in like a session zero. And you know, that'll go a long way to get everyone on the same page. But as we've also talked about, if you have things that don't work by the rule book, you should also have a reason it doesn't work by the rule book. And you should be able to defend that with more than a because I said so. When we say, you know, a king doesn't have to say he's king. You know, a dungeon master doesn't have to say he's the dungeon master. Part of that is that you make wise decisions. You know, (laughs) we we say we're the wise DMs very tongue in cheek because clearly we're not. You're listening to us. We're the free students of DMing. But you have to be. uh,
1: (laughs) That can work too. Yeah. Well, Thor, didn't you say that you used to put out the little sign that says. uh, They, and you stopped doing that because you are like,
0: yeah, I don't
1: think I need to do that anymore. I had
0: a DMing license. I would hang up yeah. on the out, outside of my screen that explained oh. I'm the DM and what I say goes. It was done like a diploma. It actually was signed. It was dated. Like it was, oh, Christ. what I say goes. And there's something to be said for that when it comes to the world and how the world works. Cause you people, the NPCs make the decisions I say they do because they're my NPCs. That's my, those are my characters. But when it comes to things like, you know, is this correct by the rules? And if it's not by the rules in the book, well, I'm doing it this way. And I can tell you why I want to do it this way. You need to be able to defend those decisions and you need to, at least, you know, they need to believe you that you are wise enough to adjudicate the game. Um, so the fact that you made an adjudication isn't always enough. You kind of have to make adjudications that the people playing with you can go with that. They feel like, Oh man, that's, that's a good call. That's fair. You know? And if, and if they don't feel it's fair, you should be able to say why you went that way. You know, just like any other just like a judge has to justify the judgments. You've got to justify the adjudications you make. And if the party, if the if the group starts feeling like you can't do that, well, then they're gonna start looking at other DMs like save me from this guy, which is might be what's going on here, not what you want. Mm.
2: The important thing here is consistency. Mm. If you are going to throw something out there and that's how we did it, then that's how we're doing it, unless we agree at a certain point that we're not. And there is no shame as a DM saying you don't know something. Someone is going to play a class or a subclass or a path that you're not an expert on. 100%. And I don't, I wouldn't want to advise any new DMs who's holding that DMG for the first time. Like, they need to know that. Like, they're going to be giving a speech in front of 500 people. Good God. I None of us still
0: know it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus How many Christ. times per game do you have to go, that does what? <laughs> Your spell, your ability, it does what? It's right here? I look yeah, it up. There, oh, it does. a us. lot of classes,
2: okay. and there's a lot of races, and there's a lot of items. And if you know all of them, then awesome. Then, you know, your head must weigh like 72 pounds. That's fantastic. <laughs> there is no shame in saying, yeah, I got to look that up, or I don't know it. I mean, that's why I have all these apps on my phone. Every monster, every spell, every item, it's right there. And there's still stuff you're probably going to have to throw into Google to get a straight answer on. So Constant. if you throw it you gotta make an adjudication, just make sure it tracks.
0: I probably Google a half dozen things per game. Honestly, I mean we're playing on the World Twenty, so I'm on the laptop already. Oh, all day. While all the day. players are going around their turn, I'll be throwing in five E such and such and getting just getting you trying to yeah. find the when DD does get?
1: I'm literally Expertise. I'm literally yeah. still looking up certain spells that I cast frequently, just making sure exactly distances and diameters and blah 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 and all of that. And mm-hmm. Tony you made a good point as well. Consistency? Yeah. A consistency consistency is a good one yes no that was the point thank you that was what was so yeah the consistency of your world so as Thorin said like if you're going to say no to something that is even especially if it's specifically in the rules and you're saying nope you absolutely have that right but as thorne said you have to have some consistent logical reason why that is and that has to track the whole time you can't then change it when the the troll comes around the corner and all of a sudden they can do these things. Um,
0: your decisions can't seem arbitrary. Yeah. Your decisions absolutely. seem arbitrary. Your players will feel abused. There has now, to be consistent logic. There is, as I said in the beginning, you got your rules
1: versus adjudication. Adjudication is that you're in the moment, you make a call, and you run with it. You always can revisit that call, and we oftentimes do. We'll even – I say it in mid-game, you know what? We're going to roll with that, but we're going to come back to that later because yeah. it feels weird. I remember, Thorne, you did this, the one fight, because Sir Morton was dropping a shield, picking it up, and you went, you know what? We're playing this out. Cool. We're doing it, but I'm going to come back to that. And you went back to the rules, you're like, oh, yeah, no. It didn't make sense because it's absolutely – one, it doesn't make sense, and two, it's not in the rules. So you said, you know what? Going forward, this is the this is the further adjudication. This is the clarification of my adjudication. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but make it so it's fair. And if something feels unfair, it's okay as long as you don't just let that ride and just willy nilly keep deciding these things. Always revisit that stuff.
0: Yeah. And what about for our uh, for the other for the other listener who asked us the question with this DM, who is basically, you know. Who keeps complaining about his game and has basically said, you know, so, you know, the part of the letter I want to revisit is I caught him off guard with a question about my campaign where he finally admitted that part of the pressure he feels with my slow pacing is due to the acknowledgement that there are others in our group who also want to start DMing and we can't realistically start a new campaign until one of the current ones wraps up and he runs the other long-term campaign. So now that made this DM feel like, you know, what course, can I, any course he takes isn't going to be good enough unless he wraps it up very soon. He's less than 10 sessions in. So that's really early in a campaign. He also says everyone else in the group, uh, basically everyone else in the group has been very encouraging and invested in what he's doing. But the problem is this other DM makes him feel like he can't keep running in this particular with this particular person in the group. But he's directly related to everyone else in the group, like by blood or by marriage. So what advice do you have for this guy for mm-hmm. dealing with this with this DM in his game who maybe wants his campaign to wrap up?
2: Well, I I feel like a campaign should reach its logical conclusion. I think it would be, even if you're 10, 11 sessions in, it's really super anticlimactic and rather honestly not fair to the players who took the time, made the investment, made camp characters. Yeah. 10, ca- 10 games is actually a lot. I mean, you know, even a short game goes on, what, three hours? So they've played this for, what, 30 hours?
0: Mm-hmm. I so mean, like, in. hey, yeah. yeah, so it's probably more like. We well, said less days. than 10 games, but still, I mean, okay. there's several so he, sessions in. People are invested. They probably played a 40-something a a hours into this
2: campaign, which is, like, the length of an actual video game. And they're like, yeah, well, we're just going to cut it right here. You guys uh, are on hiatus, and we're going to revisit this, like, probably never. All right, great. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for playing in my world. Yeah. That's weak. Now, if the other DM is worth his salt or their salt, then they should encourage them to, you know, maybe get a part where they they're the reach the end uh, stopping point. But it also doesn't feel like everybody's on board for that.
1: Tony, you know what that makes me think of? The first thing is uh, the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings that came out back in like the 70s, right? Oh my um, gosh. Because Ugh, they terrible. only took it up to the point where Frodo leaves the fellowship and like, so, you know, sails away with Sam. And then that was the end of the first movie. But the problem was is that back she didn't go back either budget-wise or whatever to finish it. So it literally is like that, right? Like you've invested yeah. all this time and now you're just like, okay, yeah. So anyway, let's go back to this other game.
0: <laughs> se- there is a separate Lord of the Rings movie, or the separate Return of the King movie exactly. that kind of wraps it up, but I don't think it's by the same people. It's not. It's completely yeah. different animation and, and everything. And the,
2: the Ring Wraith's voice is possibly one of the worst voiced acting I've ever heard. <laughs> and that <laughs> says something.
1: Yeah, but there's something to be said about some of the aspects of that film were just like, just gold. But yeah, some of it was absolutely awful, but some of it was just gold. Cool. Well, like, but, like, um, but a
2: kung fu movie is, is fantastic, even if it's godforsakenly horrible in the same breath. I mean,
1: <laughs> but but that is an excellent point. Tone is that because right in the in the listener's uh, statement, um, they say the rest of the table seems to be enjoying this. At least their yes. read of it. So it's this one person. Well, you know what. In some ways, that's just too bad for the one person, especially if we're talking about the reasoning is I want to get back to these other games like that's not a great reason. I understand we're having to juggle a lot of stuff uh, so we can't just wrap things up, you know, but that happens. I will say if it's at all a possibility, even if it's for your game so you guys can get on to other things. Virtual tabletops are really a godsend in a lot of ways. Mm. Is it the same as being around the table? No. Does it let you play when you can't?
0: Yeah. Let's so begin. we're gaming in. There's there's yeah like there's there's less there's, less we would not be after. gaming
1: the level that we're gaming if we had to be meeting all the time, no especially way. during COVID times. We would just wouldn't have been. So I would say maybe investigate it a little bit. Who like knows? Roll twenty.
0: That's what we use most Absolutely. of the uh, yeah. time. Some of yeah. the good ones he, out there too. But it's there's,
1: the I mean, even just, you know, uh, some people are doing completely through mind. You can get on zoom and just run it like a discord server, but regardless. So I would try to look into that a little bit. Um, and then as Tony has said too, I didn't quite understand his slow pacing comment because one, it sounded like he, he rocket shipped them up to level five. So I don't know what your issue with pacing. If you want to get this campaign, uh, further along is if this dude's strapped on the milestone rocket boosters and you're at level five in like a couple sessions did right? you
2: get your hot dog
1: well yeah like so my thought is like dude you're level five now like that's awesome can we now let the story play out you know i don't it, know am i reading it wrong or it that's, sounds, a, that's an
0: interesting point it sounds like what he did is he took his first few camp it sounds like this is my interpretation right. of what it was yeah. right here um, but he says the pacing at the first at the first start of my campaign was written to be a bit slow with them being thrust into the narrative after slowly learning about certain world systems the trade-off of speed of leveling, and that they got a lot of loot. They got, so they got to level five quickly, and they got 10,000 gold pieces plus a magic item to start the game. But it sounds like he took several sessions to kind of introduce how his world works, maybe without much action. Oh, That's what I take they away.
1: got to five, they got gold, they got loot, and now let's really start the story kind of
0: way. Yeah, yeah. It, may, it sounds like maybe his first few sessions, maybe not just one, but his first few sessions now. have been... Um, yeah, so basically he goes on to say, even with all this, however, because of our force and frequency of play because of COVID, it made what should have been four sessions feel like we spent a year in a short-like ch- jungle.
1: Yeah, so it sounds yeah. like
0: maybe they're not playing frequently, and we've talked about this, when you're not playing frequently, you kind of got to make the sessions move That was faster. my second.
1: That yeah. was going to be my second point, which is Tony's excellent, excellent uh, understanding from our last two years of gaming, is if your frequency of play is monthly, that session, you got to move something forward. You have to move forward because that stuff, while it doesn't seem like it because you're in that world all the time in your head, your players are not. And it's going to feel like you've been in one section of Cholt for literally it's it was winter and now it's July and you're having hot dogs, and you're still in the same fucking area. So, yeah, yeah, if your frequency of play, which, again, where virtual tabletops can come into play, it might allow a little more frequency of play to let you open up if you're really a big narrative, story-driven DM, you want that big world feel. That's all awesome if your table can take it, but that can really bog down some of that that immersion because it just feels so ploddingly slow. So. That is absolutely something that I was thinking of greatly uh, with these coming sessions, which the Strad group is literally each session. I'm thinking like I'm trying to get as much moving forward as possible without sacrificing some of the, you know, allowance for everybody to do what they want to do, because I've you know, what you've said is absolutely true in that way. But being slow. <laughs> no, just um, the um that, you know, with monthly like you only get st- so yeah, many games a year. Tough. And it, it's you want to move that. Like Tony says, you move that football forward. And like, that's a great example of a time where I took something like that. It made a lot of sense. And it helped to to start working on my game as well in a way that worked for my style. You know? Yeah.
0: Anyway, I will say it's definitely, yeah, you know, and I've seen in some of these kind of dungeon crawly type games, it's like, what well, like with the dragon, it's really easy to be like, okay, so we're gonna do three sessions in and out, even three sessions are gonna be three months. But okay, you know, get there, fight the dragon, get the loot out Santa Claus. Yeah, you know, that's kind of, <laughs> I think I'm that was, I th- was, so we spent a session getting there, we
2: fought the dragon, we were in there, we and got to the Lich, we had a session fighting the Lich, so it was four. Before. And then
0: Santa. You spent at least two to three sessions getting there. Yeah. Then you then you fought the dragon. Then you went in and had the course flower fight, which was one night. Tough. Then you did the rest of the lair and got to the lich at the, I guess, at the end, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we started to, that
1: fight out, and then we honestly, finished it the following session.
0: We, we've we been in that jungle for six for six months. Yeah. And that's what happens. When you're playing monthly, it's too easy to be, to find yourself in one dungeon for six months or in just one adventure for six months. That's yeah. the problem. Because yeah. it's just, you think it's going to be quick, and then the players get into it, and things happen, and things go this way and that way, and it just winds up taking a lot longer than you expected.
1: And it's hard because you want to, and this goes right to that point of, like, your frequency of play, definitely. So there might be some, there's something to be said for what this other DM might, the feedback is. Uh, while it might be coming from a place of, like, really, dude? Um at the mm-hmm. same point, there's something to be said because it can drag on to a point, and you don't want to sacrifice the story and the no. agency. But at the same point, you need to get those things moving forward because I'm not going to see you for another four or five weeks. You know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I think you need at least three things to happen per game, right? You yeah. At least, at least three and some levels
1: forward in the story too, right? It, it yeah. fosters the next point, you know. Like, for instance, this past game, when you guys got to the summer court city of the Feywild, I kind of wanted it to actually end slightly ahead of something to set up the next point of it. But that's fine. You know, it still was the story at least is like, OK, this next po- this next point, you know, this next part of it kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I do, I do kind of I get what you're saying there. Yeah. But here, I do want to give I do want to give Kyle my two cents on this. Yes. Um, Everything's been said so far has it's true. Right. You know, you've got to make sure you're doing your best to DM. You've got to make sure you're moving things along. Like I just said, I have twice now in my campaign been <coughs> shocked to realize things I thought were going to be quick dungeon crawls were like six fucking months. I mean, it's literally like you start playing the Gilligan's Island theme song. Three-hour tour, three-hour, you know, it's it wasn't a three-hour tour. We've been here. You know, we're now stuck on this island, and we can't leave, and people are getting bored with it. So you got to be conscious of that. At the same time, I'll tell you, there's one rule I live by in my life, and it's this. Never let one asshole decide what you're going to do. Woo! Mm, yeah. I firmly believe yeah. that. You know, now you need to determine, does this guy have a point, or is he an asshole? You gotta make you gotta in the a decision you gotta make, you gotta figure it out for yourself. I would say I would bounce anything he's saying off of the other players. Um you could do the nuclear option of this and literally have a vote at the table, hey, you guys wanna keep going with this campaign. And then if 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 all the other players are into it, well then this guy, you know, yeah, he's like everyone else says, Yeah, I wanna keep going. And he's just the one guy he now knows he has no support. You could do that. That's it's that's like very, the way we got Tony totally to impressive. play in
1: Ravenloft again. Everyone <laughs> just said this is what we're doing, and he went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and, and you know what?
2: I'm glad we did because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm glad I was outvoted. And Maybe we, the Gary Gygax
0: manual would have been horrible. I mean, who knows? I think what this comes down to is one: make sure you know your roles well. You know, have an adjudication system open for when you don't, because you don't want to make a bad call where it's against the where it's against what's in the book. And then your players do start feeling like, well now he's just making stuff up. You don't want that. So you know, figure out how you're gonna handle that, make sure it's correct moving forward. Definitely pick things up because you don't want to spend, as you say yourself, you know, a year in the cholt like jungle. (laughs) And it can happen. That could happen so quickly. It's happened to me, like I said, twice. It really does. You can wind up like, oh, this is just going to be a couple of games. And they wind up dawdling here. They have a really hard fight that goes on forever there. They got lost here. And all of a sudden it's, you know, you've spent like a year in the same place and they've gone nowhere. So you want to you want to be careful with that. When it comes to the player, you know, I just take this dude's words with a grain of salt. You know, unless unless you feel like he's not an asshole, you had to make that decision. But if you feel like he's an asshole, take his complaints with a grain of salt Make sure the other players are really behind you. Bounce things off them. Talk to them. Hear, hear what they like and what, and, and what they like about what you're doing, what they don't, what you could do better. Because you can basically make sure the rest of the players are having a good time. And then this guy's not such a big deal, right? He's complaining, but who cares? So i am just trying to keep that in mind. You know, make sure you read on this guy is right and make sure you read on the rest of the group is right. And take some feedback from them, Make some changes. But, you know, you're running your campaign. Tony's totally right. These players have put like 40 hours into it. They're going to want to stick. They're not going to want to quit. You know, they're going to want to find out what happens. So finish it off, go through it, play it, do your thing. But just, you know, there's just kind of that the social skills side of thing that is sometimes the trickiest to deal with when you're a dungeon master, you know, the, uh, yeah, the rules in the book are nothing compared to the rules in those, in the, in the social situation. And in all honesty, it is
2: sometimes difficult to take criticism, especially when yeah. it's not presented in a like, Hey, you know, it'd be better if perhaps we approach it like this way when they're more it's more coming off much more as a bitching session than like, hey, I'd like to the game to be better. And I think this is how we could get there. Then, of course, just about anybody pulls back and they're like what they're defending their actions. Yeah. But if it is presented as fair criticism, then you know what? it, it It's that's something of real maturity when you could look at that and say, you know what? You know, I, I could have handled that better. I've had a lot of those moments. Not, amazingly, not all of my calls have been
0: solid gold. I don't know. <laughs> Goes for all of us. Goes for absolutely all of us. And you've heard about them on the podcast. You know, I, we oh, all make mistakes. None of us oh, is a perfect DM.
2: It's, it's very easy to get stuck in one place and feel like it's slogging even out of combat. The the pretty materials, you often fantastic. You look at these maps, and they're so advanced, like what Dave had with Ravenloft. This castle's got five floors. Like, one of the best decisions Dave made is not making us crawl through all of Strahd's castle. Because, (laughs) my God, like, seriously.
1: I, I uh... I didn't want to of
2: old age first before we clear. So it.
1: I was definitely wrestling. I like, and again, not to get too far off here, but I was so wrestling with that for so long. As I explained, oftentimes on the episodes, mm-hmm. I would mention that like, Oh God, please let me know when you're going to the castle. Cause they, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had my plan and I had done my homework and whatever, but I felt a little better when I saw a tweet from Matt Colville, uh, talking about the map of castle Ravenloft itself. And he's like, Who's supposed to run this? Or like, what is this supposed to be? This makes no sense. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't feel so bad. Like, because this
0: like, guy, he's not an idiot when it comes. Like, it makes to that, sense you know? as a castle, but not as a dungeon, right? Like, it makes sense that yeah, this is where Strahd would live. It doesn't make sense as oh, my players are gonna go all these places yeah. unless Strahd's gonna lock them up in there. I kind of wish we had done the dinner before we went to combat with Strahd just to kind of. you could have, you could have locked this in. Well, I'll in tell kind of, like, you a what. I don't, you a lot I, don't think, uh, I don't
1: think. I don't feel like uh, that's going to be the last time we ever see Castle Ravenloft, uh, probably for this group, right? Because, you know, you defeat Strahd, so now it's just your headquarters or whatever. But uh, I could easily see that there's uh, some level of a Halloween, you know, semi-annually where we do a Strahd <laughs> must die tonight uh, kind of run through. So maybe those times we'll see the castle
0: more. Strahd's you know? back, and you can finally make those folks happy and do the level 27 Strahd. Yeah, not or I
1: have you guys roll up like some fifth-level characters and run you through the castle. Yeah,
0: just... At this point, you're going to want us to be third-level characters. Sure. Come on, guys.
1: I've done so many 5th and Now you're scared.
0: Ooh, it's
2: scary. <laughs> One of them was where you went back in time. This is a book module yeah. to the, Sergei's wedding when Strahd went ham and started killing everybody. And you're people. You're not all like right. a master swordsman. No, you're a person. You're like Big Nick at the wedding. And there's just, no magic items. There's no spellcasters. And he's destroying people.
1: Call of Cthulhu rules. That's all. <laughs> yes. It might as
0: well have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's when, that's when ludicrous starts playing. Get out the way. Get out the way so, guys, we've been going on for a little while here, and I feel like we are starting to we are starting to definitely tunnel a little bit in yeah, yeah, yeah. All right,
1: yeah.
0: Let's pull back into our final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on backseat dming? I think there's absolutely nothing
2: wrong with admitting it, with admitting that perhaps you could handle something better. Just roll with it and learn from it. Uh, fair criticism, well, should be fairly given. If it comes off in a way where it seems like a bitching session, don't be surprised if the person is is to some degree defensive. However, feedback honestly is probably given less than it should be at the gaming table. At the end of the session, you're like, hey, guys, did we have fun? They're like, yeah, we had fun. Then they're like texting back and forth to each other. Like, God damn it. Ugh. Oh, that, I hated that encounter. You know, you're not going to know. So when they offer that, then um, – you know, it, it, you absorb it. And if it's fair, then see if you can uh, take something away from it. Uh, the backseat player, well, they, uh, as we talked about, should be arguably one of the best players. They should be an asset, not just helping with the rules, but helping moving the party, not a hindrance.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for triggering my social anxiety with that texting bit, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like we're
2: still shopping deep what the hell how many of
0: our how many of our listeners are out there like oh my god they're doing that to me every time we get done i'm on on the text string that they're all bitching about me oh, it's god. probably happening less than you imagine you can put your fears away it's not no, <laughs> no um
1: i'll go back to my first point in the beginning i think there is a dis, uh, distinction between rules versus adjudication um so there's nothing wrong with uh, especially experienced people at the table who have run a lot of games, especially in that specific system, let's say 5 uh, They know a lot of the rules. Use that. Use that to your advantage. But it's a good servant, not a good master. That's probably a good way to put it. Right. Like ask for that, that stuff, but don't let it make uh, your adjudications necessarily. I will say you should know the rules before you break them, though. So if you're actively going to change the way things work, abilities, spells, something that's going to step on the players, what they created for themselves, their agency, that's something where you should probably tread lightly. It's okay if you do it, but have that discussion and know what you're doing and why. Um, And I would say that it's a level of respect. Be the player that you want at your table. For any DMs who are long-term and are now playing, be happy that you, quote, forever DM. There's so many memes out there about, I'm always the forever DM. Well, now you're fucking not. Now you have a chance to play, so shut the fuck up and be a good player, right? Like, help (laughs) them along, right? But, uh, yeah, so... Anyway, that's there.
0: All right. Uh, so for me, uh, final thoughts on this is, you know, yeah, it really depends on where the feedback's coming from and how it's coming. Having, I have found personally, having another DM at the table who knows the rules, who I or who I can just ask to, hey, what's the rule on that, or can you go look it up when I do something else, is really helpful. And I try to be honest, like, you know, I, I'm not sure how that works. What is the what is the 5e rule on that? Because there's a lot of stuff too. We play a lot of games there are many things where I'm like, I'm remembering some rule from second edition that no longer applies or, you know, or remembering kind of how Marvel works or call of Cthulhu. I'm like, all right, so now you lose sanity points. No, wait, that's the wrong game. We're not using that five E rule. Yeah. And it's so having another DM at the table to help with that, to backseat DM in that way. Well, you know, that's not really the backseat DM, that's the navigator, right? So having a navigator to help you find their way through the game, who, who respects your roles a DM, but is there to help you. I find really useful at the same time. You know, if it becomes like a disrespectful situation, you kind of got to weigh out how you want to respond to it. You know, Dave's response to me when I was first kind of getting a little out of hand in, in Curse of Strahd was basically, hey, you know, I'm the DM. You know, so you're going to let me let me you're DM this or not? Which, I you know, I heard and I understood what he was getting at, and I changed how I was responding. Maybe that's all you need to say. You know, if it's a case of you don't feel like maybe they're not trusting your rulings – and then you want to try to get, you know, make sure you understand the rules, especially the ones that are commonly coming up and maybe lean on the table a little more to help you rule it where you initiate it. Cause you know, if you ask this DM, Hey, can you, what is the rule on that? Now you have the power back rather than the rest of the table. You know, but you can, you gotta be, it's, it's a little delicate. If it's a problem where you feel like you need to have a conversation about it with a player and be like, look, I want to run this my way, not your way. Uh, you can have that conversation, just, you know, let them know. And I think every DM is sensitive to the idea that, I want to run my game the way I want to run my game. And it's not the way you run your game. But isn't that the point? That's well, been, different whole yeah. you different know, Good. Good, point. Good point. The point is we all run the games different ways. So do be self a little bit self-critical. You know, examine yourself as a DM and what they're saying and feel like, okay, so are they reacting this way because I don't know the rules well enough or is it because they just don't trust me enough? And in that case, you know, it's kind of a combination of, taking a little more control of how that's happening and also just being a little more polished in your roles and calls and making, as we talked about wise decisions. If it turns out to be someone who just wants you to get out who to stop DMing so someone else can DM, you know, if everyone feels that way, okay, fine. They can let someone else DM. If it's one asshole, I will reiterate, never in your life, let one asshole decide what you do. Never, <laughs> never ever. That is my life lesson to you. <laughs> That is good and, advice. That there are a really lot of assholes advice. out there who will try to make you, who, who will try to convince you, you need to do what they want you to do, and you, you, you almost never should. So that's it for me. That's 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 my best advice on how to handle these situations.
2: you a, a final one, a final, go for it. Final,
0: um, oh, final squares. And
2: I don't do this very often, but yes, you're the supreme commander of your game, but it is all of your game together. Let that guide yeah. you.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a cooperative game. Everyone at the table has to want to play. You don't want a DM players who don't want to play either, right? Yeah. They got to keep everyone in. Well, guys, I think that was a that was a lot of fun talking about that. It was, a, you know, complicated issue, especially for new DMs. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Even season ones. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For fighting over one of her schedule is.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, man. I know.
0: I mean, that really is the final villain of every DM's life, <laughs> is he's scheduling the games. <laughs> that's the final boss. The BBC, yeah. Even when we have like a slot, a weekly slot we play, it's like, okay, whose game goes where? And then you wind up DMing your game on three weeks' notice, and you're like, oh, that's great. And then you realize, hold on, that's a lot faster than I was I – mean, I'm used to a four-week schedule and then I'm off schedule.
1: takes me a week to decompress from the
0: last session. <laughs> 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 All right, Guys, I had a lot of fun talking talking about this with you and for everyone listening at home we hope you had a lot of fun listening to this episode we hope it helps you and if you have any like like we were saying coming into this if you have any questions you'd like to hear us cover or you just want to hear us talk more about even you know backseat dming please send us your questions send them to our email freewisedm to gmail.com go to our website use the what's your problem field that's on freewisedms.com talk to us on facebook twitter instagram we're active in all those places. So if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends, uh, share the episodes. We really appreciate that. All that helps us grow. We've grown really quick and that's because of, because of you, because of our listeners. Thank you very much for this. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Three wise DMs.